Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. I can tell you that this is 
serious. This is very serious what we're dealing with. It is serious to us as a people. It is serious to us as a community. It is serious to each and every one of us because of the fact no one is exempted. Absolutely no one. Did I mention no one? No one's exempt from this. Whether you live on the east side of the track, the west side of the track, it doesn't matter. You and I are all subject to this uh, issue of abuse, abandonment, hurt, rejection, all of those things there that so very greatly impact our lives and impact those around us. This is a serious matter, and I want you to understand, folks, that it doesn't just go away. We have to be willing to do something about it. We have to be empowered and equipped to understand that we share a responsibility. Come on, let's say it together. Responsibility. We share this responsibility to make things happen, to make a difference, to become empowered, to become engaged, to become uh, uh, uplifted inside of this. And that's what it's all about. Until we're willing to do that, until we're willing to turn the corner on that as a society, as a community, we're really not touching even the surface. I am telling you, this is the time. This a time. This is a time that, like no other time, that we must stand up. We must stand up in our community. We must begin to act in concert. We must begin to bring about strategies. We must begin to do the things that are necessary in order to bring things to a different level. And that means that our communities are torn by violence. Our families are destroyed by violence. Our faith is tested by violence. So, therefore, it's incumbent upon us that we respond to this violence through both education, empowerment, compassion, and we must be able to do so in a way that galvanizes our community, that calls us to stand up and speak out against the, against the societal ills and all those things that contribute to it. So tonight, that's what it's all about. Tonight, once again, the show is wide open. There's so many things that I need to talk about tonight, so I'll make it an open mic show once again tonight, but I want every one of you that are listening tonight by way of a telephone, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you can listen in on us, listen in at area code 323-784-9638. And if you'd like to be uh, on the air or like to have a comment or question, you can dial that number and simply hit the number one on the keypad. Once you're on, that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air and you will join us on the air either with a question, a comment, or you will share a story with us. So I want you to be a part of that tonight. Now, on the other hand, what I want you to also keep in mind tonight is that there is so much to talk about, and I want to get to it very shortly in, in our time together. Um, those of you that are listening by way of the Internet itself, it's www.soulofamericaradio.com. That's www.soulofamericaradio.com. That is how you reach us tonight. And if you would reach in, uh, if you would call in or, should I say, uh, uh, hook up to your Internet or uh, uh, log in that way, you go right to the Hope and Healing page, and there you go to live show, and you come right in live with us on tonight. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm excited, and I'm fired up for a number of reasons. I'm fired up not because I'm happy, but I'm fired up because, in fact, I'm at a place where I, enough is enough. Last week, we did the show from Orlando. Uh, we were in Orlando, Florida there attending a very important conference. And last week, we did the show from Orlando. And I have to tell you, before I left the greater South Florida area of the Palm Beaches, before I could even leave that day, there had already been a triple homicide that had occurred in an apartment complex, matter of fact, in a development that's not too far away from me. And as a matter of fact, there were three young people that were killed 
all of them up under the age of 20, 17, 17, 19. Listen, this is a crucial time here. Lives were lost. Young lives were lost in that time. Uh, later on that same afternoon, there was yet another shooting that happened and a person killed. And then we experienced over the weekend, Saturday especially, where there was five different victims that were shot. One has died inside of this short span. Once again, young people, this is happening to in our community. This raises so many issues, not only the issue of violence within itself, but it definitely raises the issue of gun violence that is so prevalent and rapid in our community. It raises the issue of the fact that what are our gun laws given permission to do? I understand the right to bear arms. I understand the right to protect yourself. But I also understand that none of us should feel like we're being taken hostage, the city under siege by a group of individuals that seemingly are out of control. I have one question to ask today. Did not these young people come from somebody's home? Are they not the children of somebody? Did not someone bear them or someone not carry them nine months? Did someone not give birth to them? The bottom line, what am I saying is the fact that when we find these situations happen, we, we continue to try to get an effort to happen in the street. I understand that. Let's rally. Let's march. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Deep within all the, I understand all that. But when are we going to stop and take a self-introspection of our own community and our own lives? We've got to understand that the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people, which means that, folks, we've got to start taking a real deep look and take some responsibility and own this problem that we have, that much of the violence that we see played out in the streets is no more than that which is overflowing or spilling out from that which has happened in the home, whether it's currently happened or whether or not oftentimes young men and women have grown up watching abuse happen, have grown up watching their mother being beaten, watching uh, their uh, mother being beaten by the significant other or even their father as far as that goes. Is this an environment that we have now nurtured? Have we built an environment? How we cause a culture to be, if you would, uh, a culture to be very much entrapped, entrenched into a culture of violence and aggression to the point that we don't understand how to have safe disagreements, to agree to disagree. To have conflict and understand that the thing after conflict, the next thing after conflict, doesn't have to be violence. Doesn't have to be abuse. But the thing after conflict ought to be resolution. We're living in a day and time where there's not much tolerance for one another. A day and time where there is no reasoning, there is no logic. And so, therefore, we continue to see the rates of violence and gun violence and all other type of violence going up at an alarming rate. That is what we must be willing to address. That is what we must begin to take ownership of. Listen, I want you to listen very carefully. If you are in a relationship and you're in a toxic environment, you might not consider it abusive, but let me say something. Let me give you a little lesson here. It doesn't have to be physical abuse in order for it to be abusive. If you're in a relationship where the individual is constantly putting you down, degradating you, calling your names, derogatory terms, always controlling things, threatening you, what they're going to do, what they're not, not going to do, what they're going to take away from you, what they're not going to give you. If you're in a relationship that constantly belittles you and berates you, I don't care if they never lay a hand on you, I came to pronounce to you that you're in an abusive relationship. 
Are there pattern of behavior, one that is constantly used to control and dominate you? Do you are you allowed to have friends outside of their approval? Are you allowed to go places without that individual? Does that person always check up on you inside of everything? You're not allowed to have phone calls. You're allowed. You have to be screened on anything. I've got news for you. You're in an abusive relationship. See, it's always easier to be able to accept that abuse is occurring as long as we're looking at someone else. As long as it's someone else, we think that the we think that the the the, the poster child for an abuse person is someone wearing sunglasses, someone that is beaten up, bloody nose and bloody lip, and all those things. But I have to make an announcement here that long before the victim was ever beat up, they were beaten down by words. They were beaten down by accusations. They were beaten down by belittling and degradation. They were beaten down in so many other ways. So you can't sit there and say, I'm going to wait till that person get hit. Then I will declare that they're in an abusive relationship. I stop by to tell you they're in an abusive one right now. And we have to be a part of the solution, not the problem. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm going to take a short break, and I will get back with you right on the other side of the break. And until that time, listen, enjoy this commercial, and I am taking your calls fresh on the other side of the break. Once again, Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'll see you on the other side of the break. If you're listening on the internet, you're probably looking at a series of advertisements all over your screen. Please click one of them because when you click one of those advertisements, you're helping us to bring you the best in soulful talk radio right here on SOAR. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. The following is an actual 911 call made by a child witnessing parental domestic Marks on me. Oh my God. 
If you know of anyone that may be going through domestic violence, don't just sit back and do nothing. Call the hotline at 1-800-621-4673. But by all means, do something now. And now we return you to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Fickler. And welcome back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, we are here live on this Monday, August 11th, 2014, and I'm telling you this is open line tonight, but there's so much to talk about as we are counting down, even here locally, uh, for a very special event that we have going on this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday, we're going to have a very special faith-based training on domestic violence, open to all pastors, faith leaders, community leaders, those individuals uh, that counsel, youth leaders in the church, this is your opportunity to make a difference. Uh, So we have to continue to look at what we're doing uh, inside of our community, and we must, we must uh, do what is necessary uh, to make a difference in our community. So as I continue to go forth, I want you to understand today that it's absolutely crucial, absolutely crucial that we are awake, that we are alert, that we're trained, that we're equipped inside of doing so much. I want to take a moment here today uh, inside of so much that's going on. Here's a day that uh, at first I did not know whether it was a true story or not, but now has been confirmed, and our condolences go out to the comedian, the actor Robin Williams. Wow, my God. Uh, Robin Williams. Um, was found today suspected suicide at the age of 63. Robin Williams is dead uh, today. And uh, we really have to continue to um, uh, pray for people when it gets to this place here. I don't know how many remember Robin Williams go way back. Robin Williams uh, uh, starred first in Mark and Mork and Mindy, which was one of those shows that was a spinoff um, from Laverne and Shirley, which was a spinoff of Happy Days. And so they kept spinning. And, of course, Robin Williams is known for so many roles uh, that he's played in. Mr. Doubtfire, he's played in uh, so many things that we could name, Blubber and Flubber. And, I mean, he, he's been uh, Hallmark. He's played so many different roles and different characters. And who would have ever known? Uh, you know, who would have ever known? The fact that uh, this would have occurred today, and so our, our prayers go out uh, to definitely Robin Williams and his family, and our prayers go out to each and every one of you, each and every one of you uh, that may have been impacted by him in any way today. And so I just want to say uh, that even as we move forward inside of this, um, even as we move forward inside of this uh, broadcast tonight, I want you to understand today that we have a responsibility to each other, to everyone. We have a responsibility, and that's a responsibility not only to get this word out uh, and to be able to stand up and speak out. I want to talk a little bit here uh, about um, 
our training that is coming up on this coming Saturday, August 16th. It's taking place in South Florida here, uh, City of Rivera Beach, to be exact, at the Hearst Chapel AME Church at their Face and Mitchell Center, uh, right there at 1617 uh, Silver Beach Road there in Rivera Beach, Florida, the corner of S Avenue and Silver Beach Road. This is a specialized training that is uh, being um, uh, held we're directing it toward the faith community first and foremost, but yet so we're not turning anyone away. This is very critical, and it's very critical as we look around us people. We're seeing things happening. I was saying earlier that so much of our street violence is no more than, a, uh, if you would, an overflowing of the domestic violence that have occurred in our society. And so that's what we're looking at inside of this is that we're dealing with something that is very crucial, we're dealing with something that we can least afford to just keep turning our head about. This is a crucial subject, and this is one that we can least afford to turn our heads about uh, because this is real. This is really something that is crucial. We have to deal with it for what it is. We cannot afford to continue to go on as if it doesn't affect anyone. We have to continue to do the work that is necessary, and that's what I'm saying. It is necessary that we get the word out. It's necessary that we do all those things that uh, that is important. We must raise a new level of consciousness in our communities and, with, and within our family. And uh, you know, and uh, that's what this is designed to do. That's what we have been about since uh, day one: is raising that, uh, raising that awareness, raising that sense of hope, raising it because it is one that is well needed. Um, you know, and um, I cannot begin to say enough for what it means. It means a lot for us to continue to to, to uh, raise this banner. We owe it to the next generation. We owe it to our families. We owe it to each and every one. We owe it to them. We owe it to each and every one that they recognize how serious a matter this is. And this is a serious matter. Listen, all around us. We got issues going on. We got the issues of gun violence, domestic violence. We got the issue of so much going on. And if we don't stop and address these issues, if we don't stop and get a hold of what's going on in our community, in our society, I promise you that we're going to pay a greater price than what we have already paid. This is serious. This is serious. We have to take things serious. We are seeing too many senseless murders and senseless shootings, and those things are happening, and oftentimes because we have left the gate open, if I must say so. You know, we talked about the old song, Who Let the Dog Out? Well, I'm telling you something. There's somebody that has let the dog out, and they've let the dog out in a, in a big-time way, and we cannot afford to leave the dog out, so to speak, because, in fact, it affects way too many People. Let me say it again. Too many people are affected when we leave the dog out. Too many people are affected by what's going on in our community. Too many people are affected by what's happening in our society. We've got to man up, if you would. We've got to stand up. We've got to speak out. We've got to do the things that are necessary to make a difference. We have that responsibility. And if we fail to do it, then who? If we fail to do it, then who? Who do we look to? Who do we look to? Do we pass the buck? Do we try to find someone to take on something that we ourselves should be taking on? Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us right here 
on Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very, very glad that you've joined us here today right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Now, there's so much uh, that I want to cover tonight. There's so much that we need to talk about. There's so many people that need to be addressed. There's just so much that uh, that has to be said. And if we, if we fail to say it, if we fail to speak up and we fail to speak out, then not only have we done ourselves a disservice, but we've done our neighbor a disservice. We've done everyone around us a disservice. We have to be willing to step beyond ourselves and do that which is right because it's, it's, it's crucial. It is absolutely crucial that we do so tonight. There's a new family. There's a new dimension. There's a new – there's so many <clears> – <throat> excuse me, so many people that are affected by this issue, and yet it's still not enough people have help or know what to do inside of it. And I want to uh, just really get into some real meat of what we're talking about tonight because there's some things that are very, that stands out to me in a, in a tremendous way. And I think that it's important that we continue to speak out and speak up against this matter today. Erico 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us today. Once again, there's so much that's happening as we prepare for the faith-based training on domestic violence here in the greater South Florida area taking place this particular Saturday inside of a, uh, inside of a Hearst Chapel AME Church there at the Facing Mitchell Center. There's so much that's going to be discussed, so much to look forward to, so much to really get out, and that's what we're going to work very diligently on, and we must do so. I believe this. I believe so many things that are happening right now, are things that we are seeing that are played out, they are things that came from the home. That's where the bottom line. I want to read to you something, a little short narrative by Dorothy Long Note, and she wrote this back in the early 70s. And she said, children learn what they live. She said, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If children live with tolerance, they learn to be patient. If children live with praise, they learn to appreciate. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and others. If children live with friendliness, watch this, they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. Now, I challenge you, if we reverse those very things, if we reverse those last uh, six uh, stanzas there, notice what we'll get. We'll get chaos inside of this. So once again, what am I saying is that when we deal with issues such as abuse and hurt, a lot of this doesn't happen just when a person gets grown. A lot of this have been, they've been traumatized and embedded with this from children, from, from when they were very small children. These are things that they've learned to accept. They've, they have witnessed or have been exposed to this type of abusive behavior. So as a result of being witnessed and exposed to this type of abusive behavior, then what happened? They play out what they know. That's what Dorothy Knoll meant when she said children live what they learn. They live what they learn. So it's very important to understand that this is a crucial matter and that we must deal with it right at the root. I continue to say there's an old Ashanti proverb that says that the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. Where does it begin? It begins in the homes of its people. So it's not that we're looking for a place to blame, but we have to understand something, folks. We have to take responsibility even for our actions with our children. When they see us act out aggressively, when they see the 
degradation of calling one name, when they have no skill of negotiation, where there's no skill of someone coming to the table and let's problem solve together. In other words, the only thing they know is that when conflict arises, then there must be a resolution of violence. That is what is played out later on. Dorothy Law meant that when she wrote this piece here. I am saying to you that we have so much that is going on, and it's going to take advocacy. It's going to take education. It's going to take, listen, the church, we've got to come from up under the rock that we've been under for too long. There are too many other uh, so many other ministries that we have to be able to be a part of. And when I say that, think about this. Inside of our churches, we have, you know, you name it, ushers. We have, you know, greeters. We have dance ministry. We have uh, matrons. We have men's ministry. We have women's ministry. We have all of these different ministries, and yet too many of us as churches don't have a place of refuge, don't have a ministry whatsoever that deals with people that are dealing with the issue of abuse. You know, sometimes it calls into question, why are we there? Are we satisfied with just having a crowd? Are we just satisfied with coming and having a great time? Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love when the Spirit of the Lord is in a place. I love when there's a great presence of God. But can I say something to you? Too often we will come, we'll have a great time of worship and praise. That's great. Understand what I'm saying? And for many, if that's what gets you through, God bless you. It takes your mind off of the abuse. It takes your mind off of the being called names and, and degraded and, and put down and being beaten. For those few hours, you're in a safe place. But what about the loneliness when you find yourself struggling and you're going back there? Wouldn't you like to have been able to talk to someone, pastor, one of the ministers, somebody there that could have not only helped you but could have given you direction, connected you to resources, someone who understood your struggle that, listen, you would have left, but you just can't afford to leave right now. You would have left, but you're concerned about, uh, you know, how am I going to take care home? I, I would have left, but how are, how are my children going to eat? I, I would have left, but, you know, how am I going to pay for, uh, for school? I would have left. And so I understand the dynamics so much of why victims stay. But imagine that right there at the church, the place that we call the the lighthouse. Imagine if we were equipped. Imagine when you first start having problems, you were able to go to pastor or go to someone in ministry that was that was versed and trained inside of domestic violence. Imagine if you could have gone to them and and, and really shared, you know, just shared, just shared. Be able to, to, to talk with them without feeling ashamed, to be able to, to, to say what you need to say without feeling that it was going to be regurgitated. Perhaps if you were able to do that, imagine the dynamics that would be different. And yet it's still, many of you feel the way I feel. Many of you feel the way that I've known that so many other victims have felt because I've had the conversation with them. They know what they have felt. They have felt that no one cares. As long as everyone can come in and get their shout on, shout out, dance around, walk around, those type of things there, then what happens? The real challenge today, folks, is what are we willing to do? What are we willing to do? That is why we're having this faith-based training on domestic violence. I love my brothers and sisters in ministry. I do. But yet still, I know the danger of not having these things in place. I know the danger. 
Nothing is worse than having to stand there and eulogize somebody that you could have actually helped save their lives. Have you ever wondered what happened to those children afterwards? Do you ever wonder how their lives are forever impacted and changed? Their sense of trust, their sense of normalcy, their sense of just loving. Where did mama go? Mommy left so quick. It was so brutal that it happened. And, folks, it does happen. You know, I'll tell you something. I was doing this work in domestic violence for years and a number of years. Let me tell you, one time it was just about educating people. It was part of a job and just educating people. But it hit, it hit the fan. It got real. It got real one year and five days after I won the governor's award in the state of Florida for educating inside of domestic violence. One year after I walked across that stage out of 3,500 nominees and somehow or another, here it is myself, a person who didn't even have a place within the movement, but somehow or another by the grace of God, because of the compassion of God, and because of the hand of God was on my life, that I, I gave my all to this subject matters inside of schools and inside of uh, uh, places of education. And, 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 and I did so and I won the award and what a great honor it was one year five days later can I tell you what happened (laughs) one year five days later I get a phone call about six something in the morning and it's my sister saying to me did you hear about our cousin Tony what are you talking about Tony supposedly killed Lisa are you kidding me I didn't want to believe it. It can be true. I was getting ready to go over to the school out in the western part of the county to teach class on dating violence and domestic violence. And my oldest sister, God rest her soul, today, she asked me what I look into it. I said, well, I don't know anything about it. Why don't you just call auntie? Ask her. She said, she's already left for work. Folks, I hung up with my sister, somewhat perplexed. Five minutes later, she called me back and said, listen, I heard that he stabbed her to death. I said, hold on, what happened? Where are you getting your information from? Explain. I mean, okay, all right, go back to your source. I don't know anything about it. I'm on my way, got to leave. I got to get over to the Glades because I got a class to teach and everything like that. But if I get time on a break, I'll call around and see what's really going on. Folks, now my heart is racing and I'm wondering what's going on, how to handle this situation. And let's Five minutes later, my phone rings again, and this time it's my other sister saying, Jay, do you, did you hear about what happened with Tony and Lisa? I'm like, what are you talking about? Tony stabbed Lisa. She's in St. Mary's Hospital. It was at that point, folks, that I picked up the phone, called my, called my office. I was working for a shelter at that time, domestic violence shelter. I was an educator going out into the community. And I called them and said, listen, I need someone to call the school and let them know that I won't be coming this morning. I think I have domestic violence in my own family. You see what I'm saying? It didn't discriminate. It didn't go away. It didn't care of that, the fact that I had been labeled an expert. The reality is that the fact it hit so close to home. And, folks, I got in that vehicle of mine. I headed out toward the hospital, and it was one of those mornings that I've not experienced before. And I'm, as I'm riding, I hear the local DJ sending out happy birthday greetings going out to Lisa. Well, now somebody must have the information wrong because this guy wouldn't be saying happy birthday to Lisa if Lisa was dead. So I'm making a blank trip to this hospital because somebody's got the information wrong. Folks, I get to the hospital, and as I'm walking through the corridor, by the way, I had spent 11 years working for that same hospital, mostly in the clinical laboratory, and now I'm walking through the corridor, and my cousins and relatives are 
coming. They're grabbing, crying, saying, we tried to tell them. We tried to tell them. We tried. And I'm like, tell them what? We tried to tell them, well, where is he? He's gone to jail. Where's Lisa? She's dead. Folks, it was that moment that transformed this from being just about a job. It became truly a bona fide ministry. Listen to me carefully. It happened in my family. I then found myself, I was floored. I'm like saying, what do you mean you tried to tell them? No one ever told me that they were experiencing a, a, a domestic relationship problem, domestic violence problem. No one told me. Goodness gracious, folks, he didn't even tell me. He used to cut my hair. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the industry that no textbook could teach me. And I understood how prevalent this was because, you know, they had a son that was three and a half, almost four. And that young kid, the last image of his mother and father, was his mother running from his father on that morning as he broke into the door. And the last image was him launching forth with a fishing knife. As they ran through the parking lot, he then reaches his hand inside of his glove compartment and goes after her. He stabs her once, not thinking that he killed her, but he punctured her along, and there she died. Oh, by the way, the DJ was right. She was murdered, yes, on her 27th birthday. Area code 323 that's how you reach us. you have a question and a comment, just simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you want to get on the air, and we'll get you on the air. You don't have to give your name, but we're always so glad to have you today. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I want to take your calls and your questions and your comments. This is Open Mind tonight. You're listening to J.R. Thickland, and I will be right back with you right after this break. Listen, some exciting news. Stay tuned right after the break. Via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio. by choice to fellowship on facebook is a spiritual drama-free judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies scriptures music prayer worship and fellowship it is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences we welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship 
on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to SOAR. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Glad you join me. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you have taken the time out of your schedule to join us here on the Soul of America Radio Network from coast to coast. This is where you find us every, every Monday night. Listen, just before the break there, I made it once again known to you that if you'd like to be, uh, if you'd like to make a comment, like to ask a question, uh, just simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you want to, want to get on the air. I did see a caller do so, and then it disappeared, so I don't know who you are. But if you rejoin us, please hit number one on your keypad. We'll get you back on the air. I'm always glad to have you on the air. And as I was just saying before I left, that everyone have their moment that defines us. And I'm so very glad uh, that, you know, we answered the call. I'm going to go right now because, in fact, I do have a call on the air, uh, number ending 6116. I've got a feeling that this is someone I know. Welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the air tonight. Hi. Can you hear me? I hear you perfectly clear. How are you? Great. This is uh, Pat Davenport from Greenville, Mississippi, where our house incorporated. And I was just listening to you when you were talking about how domestic violence does hit home. And um, I'm, well, you know, I've been working in the field of domestic violence for 28 years, and I had someone that I love that was murdered in domestic violence. And it was actually a male, though, that was uh, killed by a female offender. And uh, it hurts. It still hurts when you know someone and you love someone and you're close to them, and then they're just murdered and their life is taken away from you right there. And, and there's no sense of grief on the part of the offender whatsoever. And they just seem to appear like they're justified in what they're doing. And, you know, it takes a whole lot. And one of the things that's taken me the longest for many, many years is to deal with forgiveness and the aspect of forgiveness and the, to realize who the forgiveness is really for. So I really, when you was talking about the article about the children, how it affects them, that really brought it close to home to me because there were children involved in that situation and how how that, that whole uh, environment of violence trickled down to where they lost their sense of self-worth, self-esteem, and now they're in the uh, danger zone themselves of becoming um, missing children. So I just wanted to concur with you that it's not something that's a stranger to uh, people who work in the field. 
we, we Absolutely. go through it just as well, and we hurt too. Well, I, I want to say this, and I'm so glad to have you on the phone, uh, uh, Dr. Davenport. Now, I have to do this. First of all, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because it's so important to people to understand that, you know, this this issue can hit any place and anywhere. doesn't matter whether or not you're working in the field, outside of the field, and those type things. But you brought up something that was interesting because I think it needs to be heard. In your case, you talked about someone that you lost that you love that happened to be a male victim and that was lost their life to a female offender. And the only reason I bring this up because I, I, I've been asked this question quite a bit over the weekend uh, in different interviews I've had with different sources. And I've had men to ask this question and said, listen, Listen, I want to ask you a question. Why is it it seems like that it's not as important when it happened to a man? And, and the reality is, is that we know that it's important. But I think what catch people off guard is that they, they fail to understand that men can be victims and they are victims. And surely the pain isn't any less because of that uh, when, when they are victims. And in this case, when you see someone that has no remorse and seemingly try to justify the reason for, for abusing or even taking someone's life, it's not a good feeling. And, you know, us being born-again believers, you know, people think that automatically, I just, I'm just going to forgive them and it moves on. I want to have a real moment. I like to call it a real judge-free moment. And that forgiveness is not always as readily and as easy as it is said. Sometimes oh. that's exactly what this show is all about. It is the journey to, heal that, uh, to healing. Forgiveness is a major part of it. But I can say this here. I can't demand a victim to automatically forgive the perpetrator. I know that part of her healing is connected to her forgiveness, but she has to understand why she's forgiving, giving, and she needs to understand that in forgiving, it is not like she is saying, look here, you didn't do it, I act as if you didn't do it, but the forgiveness is really for her. It's to release her, so... And I just really want to have your comments on that on that statement there, especially inside of the dynamics of what happened in the situation you described. Really, because many people would come up to me and they would say, well, you of all people should be at a stage of forgiveness. But then, you know, people don't quite understand that everyone's at a different level when it comes to forgiveness and the understanding of it. And truly, as a Christian, I believe that we should forgive but at the same time, I believe our heart has a part in it, too. And with our heart, we have to come to an understanding that forgiveness is about letting go. It's not about forgetting. It's about letting Absolutely. go and releasing the pain. And that does not mean that the memory would go. It's not about forgetting at all. So even though I may have forgiven the other person to allow peace to come into my life, that don't mean I have to become friend with this person anymore. I don't have to associate with this person anymore. Because to me, forgiveness is one, if they want to accept the forgiveness from me, one, they have to admit they were at fault. Two, they have to make some changes to that, and their lifestyle has to change as well. And they have to make amends. And in many of cases when you deal with domestic violence, you may forgive someone, but they're not going to go through those other stages that's part of the forgiveness for them to get back into your life because that is the requirement in order to get back into my life is that you understand the fullness of forgiveness. So once I make that release, I'm getting peace. But I'm telling you, I walked with that anger. I slept with that anger. I showered with that anger. There was so much 
anger within me against this person who just took a life, just took a life and just took it and didn't understand. And this is my first cousin. And he and I was very, very, very close. And anybody who knew us knew we were close. And so it just takes that life. And then they had two children. And then for me to watch those two children and then to see the attitude and the thing that hurt the most, when she had an attorney to use the battered woman syndrome uh, to get wow. her off. And um, the case, in, in many cases when men are victims of domestic violence, people don't understand that when a police comes to the place, they're going to look for the aggressor. But if the male is trying to hold off the female, then there will be bruises on the female. So if you don't train law enforcement, and that's why I'm really training them, so there's not dual arrest is that they have to know how to determine who is the aggressor, who's the person that really is the offender in this situation. Otherwise, they're going to lock up the other person because of the stereotype. You walk in, male, female, arrest the male. What about same-sex relationships? I had a situation with a friend of mine who was in a same-sex relationship and ended up being murdered. You know, I'm... I'm surrounded by so much grief because of the field that I'm in that at times I have to look for the life and I have to look for the joy and I have to look for um, people who survived from this and who could tell a story to help me understand why I'm feeling this movement, to help me see the light and know. And the best way that I do that is not just with forgiveness, but I tend to work a lot with children because I want to break that generational curse. Just like with my cousin that died, I, I started working with their children, helping them, building up their self-esteem, helping them understand that the violence that was in their home does not have to be in their new life. Because many people are always telling people to look for the signs of DV, but no one's giving them the tools of what's a healthy relationship. If you're raised in a home of violence, that's what's normal. And so it's I didn't even find out until we had the court case that the the offender, her mother had shot, had shot her her dad. Her sister had stabbed her boyfriend. You know, it was a whole family of violence, and that's how they really showed their their form of love was through that kind of war zone that they lived in. And so you got to break that generational cycle, but you got to teach them what's healthy. You got to show them what's healthy. You have to give them the tools to understand that communication, and it's okay to be angry, but there's constructive uh, conversations. And so, you know, I I really, really do try to work with the youth now because I don't want this cycle to repeat itself, and I don't want to keep going to funerals. And I tell people I just don't want to do that. What I want to do is look ahead to a future where we have a peaceful relationship, where we're dealing with our anger and we're learning how to communicate and talk and I believe that starts with the children. And I don't believe it starts just in high school. I think you need to go as far as kindergarten and work your way up because that's when they first uh, are affected emotionally and psychologically. And even now when I think about it, it doesn't stop the – my heart has not been completely healed because the memory is still there of the loss. But now I'm at peace where maybe I won't run up across the person and try to do some damage myself. <laughs> Thank God for a heavenly father. <laughs> I've come a long way, but I had to learn about 
uh, letting go. And like you said, I had to learn that forgiveness was not not for the other person. It's for me. And I had to also learn that forgiveness was not forgetting, but it really was remembering and letting go of the pain. And so that's what I continue to do. And so I continue to work in this field. And I think that's what gives me my get up and go in the morning is I realize that each day is a new day that maybe I could work with someone and change a life or even, you know, God willing, save a life just to be a willingness to empower people into their own sense of wellness and characterness. And that includes males and female offenders because uh, I work with both and uh, to teach them how to work on, on being healthy again. And if you're not in a good relationship, sometimes you have to let it go. I am never about, um, I'm never about divorce. I'm about restoring a relationship without violence. But if it's necessary, sometimes it's necessary. But that's not my goal. My goal is always to work with the family on trying to alleviate the violence and developing healthy relationship skills. So I don't know. Um, I was glad I turned in tonight. I was glad I was listening in and I came in. You you sent out a little text and it worked. I clicked on it and I'm really glad Absolutely. to be a part of it. And if you need me, um, you know, uh, for some questions or, or anything like that, I, um, I'm well, just glad to be part of your team working in the field with you. Well, feel free to hang on. And for those of you that may be just joining us, you're listening to Open Healing Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thickland, and uh, we're listening. Uh, our guests that call in, who happen to be a colleague of mine, uh, none other than Dr. Uh, Patricia Davenport, and she's with our house out of Greenville, uh, Cleveland, Mississippi area. Outstanding program that's going on. And I want to give this part out, uh, Dr. Uh, Davenport, because of the fact uh, not only you know do, have we had the opportunity to work together, for many of you that have heard me speak about even the upcoming uh, training that's coming forth on this Saturday here, uh, the Domestic Violence Training for Pastors and Faith Leaders, when we talk about those type programs, then I, I look no further than they're at their, at their church in Mississippi, uh, they're with their program, Our House, and I know I always forget the name of the church, and I know uh, Bishop Mitchell don't like when we forget the name of the church, <laughs> but we remember Our it's House. New but we have, it's, it's New, new Life. And New Life, I mean, I want you, just for our listeners' sake, I want you to tell them, because for those of you that have heard me and uh, I've talked about uh, the project that we worked on, uh, Speaking of Faith, the Massive Violence Program in African American Church, uh, on the DVD part of it, there are four churches that were chosen across America uh, that, uh, do, that does work with DV, and one of those churches happened to be New Light, who is the, uh, which is the church in which, let me get it right, the church in which, Okay, now I'm getting now forgetting the name of the ministry that does the domestic violence. Oh, it's actually our house. Our house is our house. Uh huh. New Life Church. Bishop Roger Mitchell is the co-founder of our house, and our house Absolutely. is a domestic violence session thought program. But I think the program you may be thinking about is our Mash program, Men Against Social well, Harm. Well, that's so many components that you all have. What I want them to understand is that, that uh, our house has been a model 
uh, has been a model for his programs that have come. I mean, you guys literally run uh, the sexual assault hotline for several counties out of your place there, I mean, serving uh, several counties. Not only do you have the Men Against Spousal Harm program, which is so instrumental. I mean, listen to it. Listen just to the name, Men Against Spousal Harm. So your goal there is not just a matter of, in so many ways, to punish this guy for what he's done, but literally your goal is to see restor- restoration and transformation, that they have the, have the understanding that, listen, that this is wrong, and they become men that are engaged to literally, if you would, come against um, uh, that type of violence, a man against spouse of harm. Absolutely right. And they're, they're coming to us for 26 or 52 weeks a year. And it, it's, been, it's been, one, a challenge, but at the same time a blessing to watch the transformation of these gentlemen as they continue to be empowered. And our instructors are all ministers who have been trained through the Duluth, Minnesota model for the Battle of uh, Prevention Program in their merge. Plus, we add wow. a component of spirituality at the end of our program so that each one are given that opportunity to share. You know, I, I, I'm so glad that you said that because for those that may be listening in the greater South Florida area, wherever you may be, and even with the conference, uh, the training uh, that we have coming up this weekend, you're going to get a chance to hear us do some work there myself along with our, our, our partner inside of this, Dr. Annette Douglas, uh, Dr. D, who's also part, of course, Dr. – well, both Dr. Ds. Both Dr. Ds, you guys know each other because of the work that we've done together. But it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be that type of thing. And when you hear about what's happening there at, at our, our house and there at New Light together, it is, it is proof that when a church or when a church put its mind to it to say, listen, we can do something about domestic violence to prevent it, it might not look like what our house is doing. It might not look what we're doing at Destiny, but it can be effective, and you have to find your niche in what you're doing. And uh, listen, I salute you. I applaud you. I'm, I'm, I'm just absolutely excited about it. Uh, we have the opportunity to have worked together. We've spoken and conducted sessions across the country, most recently, I guess, in Minnesota, and, and been in Chicago together, and different other places together inside of this work here, along with Dr. Davenport, who uh, I believe is on the line with uh, uh, you are Dr. Davenport, Dr. Douglas, who's on the line with us today. I'm just excited when I get my colleagues uh, on the line with me, because so many times I think people think that, you know, I'm just out here blowing my horn and blowing, you know, and I'm blowing the smoke. No, this is serious. And I want to say this, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Davenport, and I want you to uh, hang on if you can because we're going to take some more calls. We're going to take a quick break in a second. On this past weekend, I did a radio interview, and I and one of the things that the host asked, he asked the question that you just talked about. Uh, you just described the whole accident when a, there's a male that may be a victim, and when that male calls, it oftentimes, you know, uh, you know, uh, Police officers stereotypically will go to arrest that individual, will arrest them, and, and without finding out, which they should, who is the primary aggressor inside of the situation. I was just asked that question by the host of the show, uh, uh, Mr. Frisco. And then there's another thing that you explained inside of it, that, and which I gave the answer which you gave and which I gave just now, is the fact that, uh, uh, no, Frisco brought up something that I thought was so important, you know, and he brought up the uh, situation about, you know, what happens inside of the domestic violence industry, uh, domestic violence. And then I happen to have the opportunity to uh, be involved in another 
call. I was there with the African American Domestic Peace Project uh, call on last Thursday, and there were a group of other ministers and men that was talking about the place of men in the domestic violence movement. And there was something that was said that really literally resonated with me. And this, these are the words that were said. And this is when you, and when you begin to explain, which I knew your passion and your dedication, it brought this to mind. This gentleman said, we have to understand that it's so important that the church get involved and that we understand uh, that men and, and healthy men get involved in this movement because there's something that's happening in this movement. He said, for some, this is just an industry. And when he said it, it resonated. He said, for some, it's an industry. They know how to get the money. You know, they, you know they, they go through the motion. They do the job. But when you have those that literally understand that every day of their lives, that they literally have the ability to affect lives, to help transform lives, it is one of those things that causes you to burn the midnight oil. It does cause you to look beyond your normal scope of work, trying to help people, trying to find help. And that's what you described a few minutes ago, and I commend you for that. And I really thank you. If you can hold on, I would love for you to hold on. Uh, we're going to be joined in just a few minutes by Dr. Douglas as well. So my, I'll have both Dr. D's on the line with me. And those of you that are listening, if you have a question or a comment and or comment, simply hit number one on your keypad. That lets our engineer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air. You don't have to give your name, but stay tuned. Right after this commercial break, you'll listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'll be right back after this commercial message. Hey, Dr. D, how are you? Uh-oh. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. This is Thor. Three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You give Jay a call right now. And now back to the show.
welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklander. I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Before we left, we have a great privilege and pleasure hearing some very great comments, uh, great uh, stories, and some great dynamics as discussed by our friend and colleague there, Dr. Uh, Pat Davenport. She's out of Mississippi there. And I'm just always uh, glad to. And let, let me kind of set up the background for this because uh, Dr. Davenport is as well as uh, our guest that is on the line as well, who's also a partner, partnering with me with Destiny by Choice, Dr. Uh, Annette Douglas as well. All of us are part of, uh, a part of, I guess, a consulting network. We work very closely with the Institute on Domestic Violence in the African-American community out of the University of Minnesota. And we're doing work with, uh, I know that we're also doing work with the African-American Domestic Peace Project here in Florida and there in Mississippi. And so I have both doctors that are on the line with us today. Uh, and everything. I'm going to bring on Dr. Douglas, uh, who's going to be uh, co-facilitating this training with me on uh, Saturday. Welcome tonight, Dr. Douglas. So good to have you on the air. Well, hello, Dr. Dr. Davenport and Pastor T. It's good to hear you on, uh, Dr. Davenport, and I look forward to greeting with you again. I just wanted to say that um, your comments were so on point and as you were talking about forgiveness, and I hope that some of our listeners are thinking about that as well, because forgiveness, it's easy and it's difficult. And it's difficult based on situations, and it's easy because we're God-driven to forgive. Even as the attacks and, and bullying and so is put upon us, we're taught to forgive. So can you imagine a, a victim on a being abused and at the same time thinking in their heart that, you know, God, please forgive them. Please, please help them. Not saying help me from having a, a broken nose, but help him because he's going through something that he's going to carry with him the rest of his life and he's putting it on me as well. And that's so hard to do, but it's what we're asking some of, of the victims in order to live and get on with the situation and get on with their lives, to come out of it, to be a true survivor as much as they can be, to bring some forgiveness into their heart. I can think about when, as close as what you were saying about murder, those people who fatally injured and will never come back, and on their families, can you forgive them? And and being faced with a situation where that life that you that loved one is not going to come back, and then there's the abuser who's probably going to uh, in, in insane asylum and for two months, and then come back out and do the same thing again. You know, can you forgive them? And you say, well, it's not my place to to not to forgive. It's my place to forgive. But can I carry that in my heart? And that's what we want to work with people. We want to talk to survivors about the burdens that they're placed on their heart. Because I've often said to Pastor T, um, there's no such thing as a survivor. You're, it stays with you. It's like an article I wrote several years ago called Things One Should Know About Drugs. And one of the things about that is that it never leaves the brain. The brain never forgets. So the same thing in domestic violence and any abuse, any violations done to the human body, there's the brain never forgets. You just live on. And the best way that I say to those our listeners, if you are a, a survivor, if you are a victim, even if you are a perpetrator, 
spread the word to help others not come behind. I was at a school function uh, last week, and I went to the mic, and I said, I'm, I'm up here because I know it's a new orientation, and I'm not speaking as the mother of the children who's coming to the school. I'm speaking as the grandmother, and I value those children. I want to know that when they leave home, they're coming to a safe environment. I want to know that whatever afflictions you have at home, you're not bringing them into the school where they are. I want to know that you have zero tolerance against bullying. And that's what I speak, and and Dr. T will say to all our listeners, when Dr. Douglas talks, she's often involved in the intergenerational crisis that involves our children. And I noticed that in the schools, especially in it's now it's nationwide, really, but especially in areas where there are not enough functional and truly educated guidance counselors and teachers, that the bullying is in a, on a high rise. It's on a high rise because the education at home, the awareness at home is not made. The parents in the home are going through some turmoil and stripling times. They're going through those times and reflected on the children. So this domestic violence, I'm so glad to see that over the years it has come to more of an awareness as a national and an international approach. At one time, people could not speak out and say that I'm being violated in my home because they would fear and receive more retaliation. Thank goodness that there are people like Doctor, like like you, Doctor Davenport, and like like Pastor Thicklin, and and standing up and saying that I want to help. I want to pronounce this awareness. I want to educate others to let them know they don't have to feel this extreme. The uh, training seminar is going to happen on Saturday. There are so many subjects that I'm sure. Uh, Pastor T has already expressed to you that will be discussed. And of the major subject is the prevalence of domestic violence. And then there's one uh, class that he's going to instruct on called Domestic Violence 101. Some people still don't understand what it means. It's definition. The definition in the Wikipedia that you find on the Internet on an encyclopedia is not as clear as someone standing before you and helping to deliver the message and to give that explanation. There's another portion of the training that I wish more people could get involved in, and that's counseling techniques. The counseling techniques are not just there for the um, faith leaders, the ministerial leaders. It's there for everyone because we need to counsel at home as individuals. Even Ministering in the church is one, but there's also ministering at home and ministering in the schools. It's the delivery of the message. It's helping people to understand. And then there's the, the major one that is a portion of this session throughout is developing and building a domestic violence ministry in the church what tools are necessary, and most especially the resources available. With the domestic violence, the Office of Violence Against Women in the Department of Justice, a fairly new office that many people are happy to see. There are many approaches to it. And guess what? There's a lot of money in that department that people like ourselves and other advocates need to get together 
and develop those grant proposals to bring that money out of federal government and use it out in the field where we're all working. I know I'm talking so much, but I, when you get to that subject, I can become a pastor T who loves to talk about the subject because it's educating and bringing awareness. And I hope that the listeners that are online tonight that are, are listening in from from wherever sources and communications they have available to them, that they will consider registering for this training next week because we have a lot to give you, a lot to share, and that's a part of our ministry. Absolutely. And, Dr. And Dr. Douglas, you've got to understand, we, I mean, I can listen to you all day, and they will be uh, glad to. And, and the reason that you hear people like Dr. Douglas and Dr. Davenport, myself, are passionate about this because this is something that is near and dear to us. We're seeing that we're on the front lines addressing these situations, and we understand. I mean, there's pain that is happening in families, and, and you know, and she, uh, Dr. Douglas, you may mention about the intergenerational impact of domestic violence, and that's kind of how I start off the part of the show today was talking about children learn what they live, and they live what they learn. And, uh, you know, most recently here in South Florida, we have just had a, a rash of violence over the last seven, eight days. I left Monday of last week on my way to uh, on my way to Orlando for a different type of a conference and there was a triple homicide that was taking place in a development not mm-hmm. far from us okay so mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing about it inside of that each one of those victims were under 20 years of age I think 19 and two mm-hmm. 17 year olds that was murdered there on that day fast forward that same evening there was another uh, uh homicide that happened due to gun violence and then we uh, we uh fast forward this past saturday and we have the wild wild west happening right in our local community where there are five victims that are shot but even more so these individuals went around just randomly shooting at houses and shooting and now and also inside of retaliation they did so well one person said, well what does that have to do with the other so often oh. when we get to the nitty-gritty of these individuals and we look at their backgrounds and profile, you find people that have come out of abusive homes that have been exposed to or witness abuse even coming up. This is part of the MO. Once again, they don't know anything about conflict resolution. The only thing they know is that what follows conflict is violence. And so as uh, you were talking earlier, I believe it was, uh, 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 between the two of you, you're talking about how the abnorm is their norm. And this is what happened. But I will never forget for a few minutes the feeling I felt when I heard this news over the weekend. And, uh, and then there are reports going out where uh, the citizens are being advised to stay in the house, don't come out, uh, you, know, you know, lock your doors and all these things. And all of a sudden I said to myself, I can't believe the whole city is under siege because of the senseless act of violence by somebody's child. We often act as if these people that do this stuff come from some other planet. Mm-hmm. They've been raised in our homes. And once again, mm-hmm. I'll say it until I turn colors, the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. And until we understand there are things that we have to be able to do, you, you alluded to it a few minutes ago, Dr. Douglas, when you said the fact that we need to know how to even counsel even our own home. We need to be able to have that conversation and present it in our own way to be able to do so even in our own home. And when we begin to learn to do that, we can start – creating a better environment uh, in which to live. And I think that's absolutely crucial in this day and time. It's absolutely crucial that we do. 
Eric code 323-784-9638. That's the number to reach us. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. I have on the line, and you can join us on the line as well if you desire to have a comment, a question for either one of us that are on the line. I have Dr. Davenport. She's still live. Uh, Dr. Annette Douglas, she's still live. I am still live. And if you have a question and or comment for either of us or all of us, simply hit number one on your keypad when you dial in at three. If you're listening by way of the Internet and you desire to uh, be able to ask a question, please feel free to email to uh, jthicklin at soulofamericaradio.com, and we will get your email, and we will address your question on the air. So the lines are open to you that would like to call in at this time, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. That is how you get on the airway tonight. And so glad that you're there. Dr. Douglas, Dr. Davenport, Dr. Davenport, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Absolutely. Thanks so very much. It's interesting, as we talk about so much that is going on, uh, I could say in in our area here, and I'm looking at, um, I just read a report here a few minutes ago, that in Palm Beach County alone, we've had over 54, 54 shootings uh, uh, and related homicides uh, this Seven-month period. Well, we're in our eighth month. We're uh, here in August. That is a lot of people in this uh, area just alone. Uh, just recently got the latest uh, fatality review report, which I'm a part of, with the statewide domestic violence fatality review team. We had 187 people in the state of Florida to die by way of, the, of homicide or domestic violence. Uh, uh, domestic violence type homicide in the year 2013. Now, we have a report. We're going to, matter of fact, we're going to be sharing that as part of our package with uh, those that come to the training, even on Saturday, that uh, the number of those individuals who died by way of gunshot, that died by way of, uh, of knife and being stabbed, and others that have died by choking or strangulation in other ways. But we have an issue that is uh, very prevalent in our society, and it doesn't go away. I often say that domestic violence is like this. It is, it is so generational that literally the domestic violence that we are seeing today oftentimes emanated from things that was witnessed on yesterday and unfortunately will affect those that are witnessing it today, tomorrow if that makes any sense. It's the future's business as well as the present. So the actions of today will impact tomorrow, even as the actions of yesterday have impacted today. That's what domestic violence does. It is the only place when we talk about domestic violence where we home grow our victims and our perpetrators. The only place inside of that. Well, we've got about eight minutes left in the broadcast tonight and everything. Uh, I think everyone is listening and enjoying this. We do have another caller. Look like we have Gloria. I'm going to get Gloria on the airway. And for those of you that don't know Gloria, those of you that listen to the show, you know Gloria works with us here at Destiny. She's one of our, uh, she's one of our great uh, volunteers, but is coming on board with us. Welcome, Gloria. You're on the air. I'm very proud of you. Uh, uh, Hi. Share with us. What's on your eye? <laughs> Hi, I was just listening to the um, show, great show as always, and I'm just super excited about what is going on, especially for this Saturday with the upcoming um, event and training. Um, 
And basically, I just want to say that um, as I even thought about myself today and how far I have become, even in this movement, and I see the growth within me, and um, and it's so true that, you know, it doesn't leave, you know, the stuff that I went through, it, it, it doesn't leave, but it has impacted me in a way to where I consider myself to be much stronger and I am compelled to want to help as many people as I possibly can. You know, I'm kind of like that person that wants to leave a legacy behind, you know, or regardless of what I've gone through, you know, throughout my life. So that's all I really wanted to share. But, you know, like I said, again, I'm super excited and I just want to continue to do, you know, what God has called me to do. You know, and and uh, I'm so glad to always have you on air, Gloria. And I, I'm going to say this, and she'll probably go, "Oh my God!" But you know, Gloria having having become, uh, you know, I mean, have gone through the stages, uh, survivor of domestic violence, and yet it still have really, I mean, I think anyone that knows you have seen you literally transform before their eyes. I think about uh, April of last year, 2013. The difference mm-hmm. between the person. I met then, and the person I know now is almost. I need to ask you for an ID. I mean, it's just that much of a trans- <laughs> transformational, cha- a transformational change inside of who you become. And I could recall, and those of you to listen to me, just take this point because what I'm trying to get you to understand: Can we heal? Yes. Is there a day after? T- is there a day after today? Yes. Didn't? Is there life beyond the abuse? Sure, it is. And you can get there. This is a journey to wholeness. But I can recall over a year ago uh, being a part of your event in April, just there to support you and everything. And I remember making a pledge to your dad and yourself that I was going to walk you and walk you uh, through this thing and, and create some opportunities and doors for you. And I saw something happen last year, and Dr. Douglas was a part of this at the symposium that we had, the FACE Symposium. And I saw a person emerge. You came out of your, I mean, the cat, I mean, the, I mean, listen, the caterpillar came out of its cocoon and and you became the butterfly and you continue to have moved on, been a part of a lot of things we're doing. And, and although you didn't say it, I want to congratulate you. You just finished a whole week, about 40 hours of training on last week. And uh, you're now a new victim practitioner uh, uh, here in uh, Palm Beach County. And, and I think that's worth a hand clap, you know, being a, uh, our new victim practitioner, you went through the training. Uh, you were scared, so we're going to give you a hand clap because you deserve one. So let's just there you go. All right, you know, and uh, and uh, you, you told me about so much that you learned, and you just fired up, <laughs> and it's good to be fired up. It's good to be fired up about helping people and seeing lives transform and understand that you can make a difference. And we always appreciate you, Gloria. We're looking forward to so much on this Saturday. And as always, you know, let's keep up the good work. All right, we have 25 minutes after the hour. We're gonna we're gonna get ready to close. I'm gonna get closer in March. Both Dr. Douglas and Dr. Davenport. Dr. Davenport, starting with you. Just a closing comment before we end. Oh, okay. I, I really would like to say the closing comment is to do a little follow up and let you know that there are some changes that can be made in. One of the things that I'm doing is I work with, I have 14 weeks health relationship curriculum, and we have been blessed to be in uh, six different schools, and so we have no difference with our youth. So I want to just tell people, 
Don't give up. Don't lose hope. All you got to do is believe and have faith. And there is a change coming around the corner, but you got to work for the change. And so, but also understand that you are not alone. You are never, never, never alone. There's always somebody else out there who's willing to help you, believe you, trust in you, and guide you. And I just thank you for listening to me today. So glad to have you on the air tonight. So glad that you've been a part of this process. Okay, uh, Dr. Douglas, last comments, parting comments tonight that you'd like to leave with the audience. I, I just like to say the same as Dr. Davenport had said is that don't give up. That's the main thing. Don't give up. What you experienced is what you can share with others to help them so that they don't go through what you've been through as a victim. And you, the person who felt that this is the right thing to do is to beat on the other individual, know better. You to get control of that. You to get control of whatever it is that's making you do what you do. Get some help. Get, if there's help there to be given, get some help. If you need to turn to a faith leader, do so. That's what we're doing with this training is to train faith leaders so that they can be more helpful to you, even for the resources that are available in other institutions. Go, go. It's important to get the help so that we can have a better world. Absolutely. Well, thanks so very much. What a great show we've had tonight. You've been listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Your host, uh, uh, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've been a part of this tonight and to have opportunity to be on with our very special guests that have been there, both Dr. Patricia Davenport of Our House there in Mississippi, as well as Dr. Annette Douglas, who is a behavior scientist and who have been doing this work for for a number of years. I mean, you're talking about so many years of experience on this line. Uh, uh, Dr. Davenport talked about over 28 years, uh, over 22 years on my own part here, and just over almost uh, close to 30, I believe it is, even Dr. Douglas. So I, I'm always glad to be a part of this and, uh, and what is happening here. And I want to encourage you that are in the South Florida area, do this for us. Even those of you that are listening, go register even now. Your RSVP, you can go to eventbrite.com. Go to eventbrite.com and go to Faith-Based Training on Domestic Violence. Go ahead and do that. For those of you that are listening and you have a Facebook pages, please go to our page, uh, Domestic Violence. It is your business, and share the announcement with your friends. Or go to Destiny by Choice to Fellowship, or even Jake Thicklin, either of those pages, and you can help us spread the word. And until next week, same time, same place, I pray that you will be safe. And remember, there's no excuse for abuse. Listen, reach up, reach out, stand up against domestic violence. Until next time, this is J.R. Thicklin saying, have a great, great evening. God bless you on today. Truth is I'm tired 
It's my offering. 